Hey, everybody, welcome to the Asian Podcast Network. And before we get started introducing our podcasters, I'd like to share a quick message with you about the 2020 census. The census is our American way of counting everyone living in the United States to determine how resources are allocated and how decisions are made. Decisions like funding for schools, roads, public services, and healthcare. Businesses also use this data to decide whether to open up new stores in our neighborhoods. This week, along with other Asian organizations across the country, we at Asian Podcast Network are so proud to participate in the 2020 Census Asian Week of Action. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to go to 2020census.gov to fill out yours for your household. Remember, this is our last chance for the next 10 years, and the deadline is fast approaching. It takes just minutes and can make a decade of impact, so we encourage you to also check in with your family and friends to make sure they've done the same. Let's make sure the voices of our amazing community are heard loud and clear by participating in the 2020 census. Let's get counted and shape our future here and now. Thanks for tuning in to the Asian Podcast Network, and here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Asian Podcast Network, the podcast. And this is a podcast by Asian podcasters about Asian podcasting that features other Asian podcasters. Um, say that fast a few times. So on this show, as, as you've heard in the other episodes, um, we give you a quick bite into an array of different Asian podcasters globally to learn about their shows, the people behind the shows, and to give you an opportunity to hear a little bit of their voice and learn about their projects, and hopefully um, give you an opportunity to discover new shows. On some other shows, we'll meet people in the podcast industry and people who are working behind the scenes, not as hosts, but as producers. And the goal here is just to really broaden the awareness and grow the pie that is the Asian podcasting pie globally. Today, we have uh, San Jian, who is joining us all the way from Germany. And she is our first Asian podcaster joining us from Europe. Really excited to hear about her perspective and her show. Sen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jerry. I'm so delighted to be here because you were one of the first Asian podcasters that I started listening to as I began my own journey into podcasting. And I've been so impressed by how prolific you've been in producing your content. I'm just like, how does how does he do it? Like, how, like he only started in March. And I'm just like, like three episodes a week or something like that. And I can't even keep up with all the content. <laughs> There, there was, well, thank you very much. Th those are uh, very, very awesome words to hear. I think one of the first messages uh, you shared with me was, I take you on my walks around Berlin. And I was yes. like, holy crap. <laughs> um, and it was one of the first messages that I've gotten uh, because our audience for the Asian Americans tends to be a little bit more uh, US focused. It was so cool to know that somebody, you know, across the other pond um, was, was listening to our shows and was resonating with it. So um, thank you. And as, as far as, prolific i don't know as most people know if you've listened to the other show we just went on a on a you know kind of a heads down we're going to try to produce as much content as we can during the pandemic and um so you know somehow it happened um that we got all those episodes out but um uh, what, what i'm most proud of is you know every one of those shows is a unique individual story yet every story resonates with countless people around the world because if you've experienced something there's a pretty high likelihood that somebody else has too um and, and so, uh, but we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. So <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit more about you. Come on. <laughs> yep. uh, fun fact. Uh, most of my audience doesn't really know much about me uh, on the Asian Americans because partly by design and partly just because of the format of the show. Um, 
nobody's ever asked me questions. So maybe one of these days uh, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll flip the script. We, I would love to. Uh, you know, there's a spot um, reserved for Jerry on Beyond Asia. <laughs> <laughs> um, t- tell us about Sen. Uh, where, where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your earlier life and sort of your uh, journey through adolescence and early adulthood. Yeah. So I was born in China. Um, we immigrated when I was six. And at the time, I had no idea what the circumstances were, but only recently I was able to piece together, you know, the fragments of history. And it was because my father had um, taken a year to go on exchange to to Canada, to the city of Calgary. And um, when he was supposed to return is when the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacres happened. So all of a sudden, it wasn't so clear if returning to China would be good for him. And it wasn't clear if that was going to be a good place for me and my mom. So he made the decision that he was going to sponsor us to go to Canada. And at that time, um, mm. Canada was very welcoming of, um, of let's say, people seeking for a better life from, uh, I wouldn't call us refugees, absolutely not. We didn't have that status, but, um, but we were leaving a situation of political unrest to go to Canada where things were a lot more stable and they were, uh, at the time, opening their doors wide open. Uh, we arrived and, um, and I was six years old, didn't speak a word of English. My mom didn't speak a word of English and she was an engineer. My parents were both engineers and um, she started out making dumplings in the back of a Chinese restaurant in the food court. Wow. Um, she graduated to working at McDonald's, learned English. And along the way, somehow, I still don't know how, she got a job working at a, at a software firm and just slowly built their lives, improved you know, their language abilities and bought a house, bought another house, bought another house. So we moved around a lot when I was young. I went to four different elementary schools. Um, we moved like six times in the span of six years. And that was, you know, that was just re- reality, right? Like you don't think about that when you're a kid. You have no idea what the norm is supposed to be. As I got older, you know, um, there were there were Asian people in, in Calgary, in the community, but um, there was this kind of divide between the Cantonese-speaking Asians and the Mandarin-speaking Asians, um, with the Cantonese speakers being more established and therefore more wealthy, and um, the mainlanders being, you know, still the newcomers. So uh, that was, you know, my first exposure to the, you know, the in-group dynamics um, mm. within the immigrant community, which are, was very interesting oh, yeah. to me. Um, you know, a lot of us, when, when we're, we immigrate, um, you don't realize that you're Asian, until you immigrate to a non-Asian country. <laughs> like, I didn't know that I was Chinese until the kids called me Chinese. <laughs> and when I, was, uh, when I was 18, I moved to the French-speaking part of Canada. So I went to university oh, in Montreal. And, uh, and then the whole identity narrative changed again, um, because there, the political narrative is strongly dominated by, are you an Anglophone or are you a Francophone? Because that's what happens in Quebec. Um, and so mm. this whole like hyphenated Chinese, hyphenated Canadian, that was not so important anymore. It was more which language do you speak. And so I was speaking English. And so I got lumped in with the Anglophones. Um, and, uh, and eventually I, I did learn French. And that opened up a whole new world of, you know, this, this Quebecois culture and separatist culture um, and just understanding what the nuances of, you know, Quebec versus the rest of Canada was. And Quebec is a very different place. It, um, it is a different country. You know, culturally, it's a different uh, country. Linguistically, it's a different country. Um, infrastructurally, bureaucratically, completely different. So it was, 
immigrating again. Um, I lived there for 12 years and, um, and became as integrated, I think, as I've ever been. And uh, just had to, you know, move on after that. And, and I got a job teaching English in China at an international school. Mm. So I thought, you know, great time to re- uh, explore my roots, you know, reconnect with, uh, with the, the mainland. And I went there and, um, and it was another, you know, another culture shock. Um, because while I, I speak Chinese, I don't speak it obviously at, at that, at the level that people expect me to speak it at. And, um, I think that this is a story that a lot of, uh, like returnee immigrants will experience, which is, um, people don't see you as different, but they talk to you for a little bit. And then they realize that you don't know what the cultural references are. There are certain words that are very commonplace that you can pronounce without an accent, but you don't know what it means. And so, you know, depending on, what kind of a social situation you get into back in the in the mother country if people aren't used to people like you they're really confused they think of you as like you know what's sure. what's wrong with you <laughs> you right. know you speak correctly but you don't understand yeah um so so after that i um i moved to germany that was uh that was kind of an unexpected thing but but i ended up moving moving to germany for a guy and um obviously another huge culture shock. Um, and then in Germany, it's like, it doesn't really matter if you're Chinese, Canadian, Anglophone, it's you're North American, you know, or you look Asian. So you're just Asian, whatever it is that you are. So you could just, you could be Chinese, Canadian, Francophone, but I'm just going to call you Chinese because that's easier. It's really fascinating because I had a moment when I was traveling in Europe, maybe 10 years ago, where it's weird because I obviously look Asian because I am, um, but based on my demeanor, my language, my clothes, whatever, they know, especially mm-hmm. from where the tourist hotspots are, yeah, yeah, yeah. that you are either Asian American or Asian yeah. Asian. Yeah. yeah I yeah. was treated more like an American in Europe than I ever was in America, which is fast, <laughs> which was a complete mind, mind, mind F, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where were you in I, Europe? I haven't, uh, Italy and France, like the very touristy places, right? Right, right, right. Um, I, I think English, it was in, right? Of course. Yeah. I, I think it was in Paris. And, and this was like um, 10 years ago. There was a lot of like, and this was when stupid Americans were like, we're going to call them freedom fries and not French fries. And, you know, and, and anti, you know, that brief moment of stupidity. Um, but it's weird. Um, and, and so I, I think we've all felt it. If you are an Asian person living in a Western country, whether it be Germany, Canada, America, you realize very quickly um, that after a certain amount of time that you can't actually go quote unquote back home and operate in that way. I think, you know, we see, we all have friends that are, you know, international students and they come here for four years for undergrad or two years for grad school. And um, I think because the mindset for them is always, I reserve the right to go back home. Mm -hmm. They transition back home pretty easily. Yeah. But if you come here at an early age, like you and I did, um, we, we don't really have a choice. So we're, we're stuck um, in both places concurrently, but also in between two places. And so you've decided to talk about that particular conflict and that new identity. Um, so tell us about your show, Beyond Asian, um, the idea and the inspiration behind it. And what type of things do you talk about on Beyond Asian? Yeah. So Beyond Asian um, Stories of a Third Culture is 
predominantly about people who belong to this third culture. Uh, and, and third culture is a relatively new term. It's something that emerged out of uh, the time of, you know, military brats. You know, they were moving around a lot. I don't know if it's like the right term, military brats, but that's, you know, the, the term that I have in my head, where, you know, they would follow their parents um, to whatever base they were deployed to. Also, you know, children of diplomats, ambassadors. And um, because they were moving around so frequently, every few years, um, every place they moved to, they had to reestablish the rules of society and they had to integrate really quickly. You know, you're forced to make friends very quickly and also watch friends go away really quickly, you know, because you never know what's going to happen to them. Um, this happens a lot to students who go to international schools where it's like, you know, you, you have your best friend for like six months, then all of a sudden their parents get deployed somewhere else and you don't yeah. have your best friend anymore and you got to make a new best friend or you're going to stay in touch with your best friend, but only via instant messenger. So um, my experience as uh, as what I would now call an old, like old school third culture Asian, because my third cultureness came in like very long segments, you know. Um, at first, when I was living in Canada, in, in Calgary, I was bicultural because that was relatively simple. You were right. Chinese at home and you were Canadian outside. And then I moved to Quebec and I was like, oh, well, I'm Chinese Canadian, but I'm also Anglophone. And then moving to Europe and et cetera. And I got the sense that, um, that my who I perceived as myself was strongly determined by how other people perceived me in society. So I could be, you know, whoever I, I thought I was in Montreal, but I take that same identity and behavior, um, you know, very open, very uh, opinionated and, um, and, and liberal and you know, let's try all this. And I take that identity, I transplant it into, uh, into a place like Berlin, which is also very, very liberal, but the local right. community um, of Germans is not as open as the local community in Canada. And so all of a sudden I'm perceived as too loud and too opinionated, you know, um, a little bit mm. too whatever, too much this, not enough that. And so, you know, you, you start to slowly whittle away the parts of yourself that feel like they don't belong to this society without realizing it. And, you know, then you go back for a visit to Canada and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I, I don't feel the same here anymore. Um, so this is a story that tracks the, the journeys of all different sorts of third culture Asians, whether they have moved around like every year as a child or um, they've uh, grown up in, um, in one place, but they've um, gone back and forth between their, uh, their, their country of origin and their, uh, their current living place. And uh, we take a very biographical view to things. So uh, it's, it's very similar to Dear Asian Americans. Um, and we explore a lot, you know, the depths of what do you remember from childhood? When was the first time that you recognized that your perspective was different from the people around you? And, you know, how did you integrate those different pieces of yourself as you moved around? And who are you now? You know, if, you, if we cannot say that I definitely belong to one place, which many of us cannot, who are you? And um, what does home feel like? And from talking to, to more and more people, there is this sense that people who belong to the third culture, they, they belong first and foremost to themselves. You know, it's like my culture at home says this, the host culture says this, but what do I believe with everything right. that I know? You know, I belong to myself. And there's, um, there's an immediate affinity for other people of the third culture, Asian or otherwise. You know, because you see someone who's who's been through that very that constant peripatetic journey, and immediately you can connect over things. 
um, you know, the fact that, uh, that, that, you know, you just have to change your identity, like a chameleon, wherever you go. Um, and we talk about, you know, just how the things that have happened to us in childhood, there's a lot of trauma in the Asian community. Sure. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's basically everyone is traumatized in society. That's a given. Um, and the Asian experience is, is amplified. Like that trauma is amplified because the things that have happened to our parents and, you know, the last, 150 years <laughs> for everyone um, have, have been difficult. Two world wars, you know, revolutions everywhere, civil wars everywhere. And in, in Asia, we had the Vietnam War. You know, we had, um, we had World right. War II in Japan. We had the Cultural Revolution in China. We had, you know, a whole host of other things, the Khmer Rouge in, in Cambodia. Um, and our parents come from that. And they've seen atrocities that we will hopefully never have to see. And they live through them and they internalize them. And then they had us. And so it's inevitable that trauma gets passed on from generation to generation. And, um, and hopefully, if we do our job in this generation, we will lessen the trauma, if not remove it completely for the next generation to come. So this is a project to represent the experiences that, that we've had collectively that I never saw represented when I was growing up. I was so confused growing up, you know? Um, so many of us still uh, am. Yeah. Right. I mean, growing less and less confused <laughs> or let's just say, you know, I'm owning my, my confusion more. Yes. Um, but so yep. many of us, like, you know, you grow up in a place where it's predominantly white. There's a point where you feel like you have to make a choice, you know, am I going to be mm -hmm. Asian or am I going to be white? And for a long time I yep. chose to be white unconsciously, unconsciously, because that's where the power was. And that's where all the fun stuff was, you know, that's where freedom was the way that I perceived it. And home was where all of the terribly strict parenting was, was all the one hour of piano lessons every day. And you can't get up from your chair until you've done all your math homework and, you know, like no playing until everything is done. That's where that was. And so, you know, this whole journey has been, has been trying to reconcile the, the two parts of me and also explore topics that everyone is talking about right now, internalized racism. We all have it. We all have it. It's just a question of how does it present? In, in ourselves and what do we do with it you are exploring and daring to perhaps go into uh, a topic that many of our uh, parents or even older generations would have considered extremely unnecessary um, because as you just mentioned it's either you're korean or assimilate you're chinese or assimilate and assimilation is a word that i think i've grown to hate and grown to understand, under, first of all, understand what it actually was trying to say, and then to realize that, holy crap, that was not the right way to go. Um, there's a tremendous amount of richness of culture and understanding, not just in where we come from, where we live currently, but in the combination of that and to create something brand new. Um, and we'll put America as a, as a thing, right? So America was a social experiment where a bunch of uh, disgruntled Europeans said, F it, we're going to try to create something new. And so 400 years later, it is something new. And so why can't it that be for us too, right? Why can't that be for Asian people moving across borders, coming up with new cultures and under the old assumption that cultures and countries and languages and everything are lines drawn that are, or permanent lines drawn that cannot be crossed or amended is sort of the, pre the premise under which we were instructed to mm -hmm. change the way we are mm -hmm. or to learn something new to fit in. So mm -hmm. Um, so, and I, I think you're exploring topics that are extremely fascinating, important, and necessary for us to talk about. 
it actually even takes some of the themes that we discuss on the Asian Americans and um, just puts like, I don't know, it's it's it on steroids, right? Because you're discussing inter transnational, transracial, transcultural ideas that are really at the root of what we talk about as the hyphen kids. And some people have more than one hyphen in their identity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I, I am, you know, kudos to you. you you've Thank your you. uh, do, do, do check out Sen's website. It is beyondasian.com. On Instagram, it's at beyond.asian. And on TikTok, for all the young kids listening and all the old people who want to be young TikTok. and cool, <laughs> at, at beyond.asian as well. Actually, go check out the website. It is one of the coolest websites that I've seen in my life. It, it's got this 3D plane that moves through the webpage as you scroll through. Um, but really, really excited to hear more of your stuff. Really, really excited to um, you know, just amplify more of our voices and that it does not need to be binary. And for anybody who's listening that wants to get a glimpse of the Asian plus experience, the beyond Asian experience outside of what you're normally used to, whether that is in America, Canada, Australia, or even back in Asia, um, do give Sen a listen. Um, In addition to her having an awesome show, she's been an amazing human being, um, engaging with me and engaging with a lot of different communities online to help grow the Asian podcasting pie. So if you want help launching your own show, if you want to build community, especially if you're an Asian podcaster based in Europe, do reach out to Sen. Sure, she'd be happy to engage with you and, and help us grow the entire pie. Sen, thank you so much for making time for us. Um, I know it's a little bit later in Germany where you are. Um, best of luck to you. Stay healthy and keep producing. We really love what you're doing. Thank you so much, Sherry. It's been such an honor to be here because you were really the first person that I listened to. And now I'm speaking to you and uh, and I'm, I'm just so delighted to be here. Thank you so much. That still blows my mind because in my mind, it's actually not even been four months. So it's crazy. It's so crazy. for everybody listening, <laughs> for, for everybody listening, here, here's the lesson. Start. You don't. I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm, all I'm doing is I'm, I'm launching shows. I'm pressing record. I'm talking to people. You'll figure it out as you go. And the second lesson to that is you don't know who's going to listen to your stuff and you certainly don't know how they're going to receive that message and then take action. So stop the self-doubt. We have enough of that in our families. We have enough of that in our culture. You're good enough. Your story matters. You're awesome. If you need a little bit of a nudge and help, let any of us know. That's what we're here for. But press record, start talking, and share your message with the world because your story does matter and somebody's life will change from it. Um, Sen, thanks again. Um, let, let's keep growing that pie. Let's let's keep talking. Let's encourage more people to share. Um, the goal, actually, ironically, for both your show and mine is for our shows to not really exist. That we don't have to specifically <laughs> talk about the duality or the, the multicultural dimensions that if everybody gets to that point where they are so comfortable, confident, and accepted in the way we are, just for who we are, that in some weird way that, of course, we're going to continue to talk about it, but that need to talk about that so people feel understood and heard should decrease just a little bit. And so um, it's kind of like how, you know, the ultimate the ultimate goal of doctors is for them to work themselves out of existence. <laughs> right. So let, let, let's hope that we continue creating content so that we run ourselves out of business. Until then, <laughs> we'll keep talking. 
Um, thank you again so much. Best of luck to you and looking forward to talking again soon. Looking forward to taking you on my next walk. <laughs>